What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome to a bonus episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, an interview with the person responsible for obtaining and leaking the so-called no-fly list. As usual, we are your hosts, Julian Field and Travis View. We're speaking with Maya arson Crimeu, a hacker from Switzerland. Welcome to the podcast, Maya. Hi, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> for context, the no-fly list is a list of persons drawn up by the U.S. federal government's terrorist screening center. The people listed on it are prohibited from boarding commercial aircraft for travel within, into, or out of the United States. It was first put in place by the Bush administration in 2001 in the aftermath of 9-11. By 2011, there were 16,000 names on it. By 2013, there were 47,000 names on it. In 2018, Senator Dianne Feinstein suggested that the list had over 81,000 people on it at the time. Maya, the list you gained access to has approximately 1.56 million entries. Right. So even accounting for duplicates, name variants, aliases of the same person, that seems extremely high. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, like, that's part of why we were confused at first and started to just assume it's the terrorism screening database, uh, like the full thing. But for that, it was too small because the terrorism screening database is once again even bigger than that, which is also crazy. So we were going up w- with the assumption that it's the terrorism screening database and probably from 2022 because that's when the file was uploaded to the directory we got it from. But then for some reason, the airline started confirming in every media request ever that it is to no fly list and from 2019 i don't know who's doing crisis communications for them but they're great because they keep giving us lots of good info we otherwise wouldn't have it is allegedly the actual no fly list dated from 2019 and it has way more people in it than the government ever admitted to before just to start walk us through the hours you spent online that led to you obtaining this 2019 version of the no fly list directly on like the day i found this I don't know, maybe two hours? <laughs> or like, no, like two hours until I like found the airline having data exposed. And then it took like another like two or three hours until we ended up just stumbling into the no-fly list. Mostly because I just didn't look in the right place, not because I didn't have access to it. I just hadn't looked at the right directory yet. Yeah, so walk, walk us through uh, this stuff. You can talk to us about Shodan and the Jenkins servers. Right. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, I I just when I'm bored, uh, start looking through Shodan. That's like Google, but if Google indexed like smart toasters instead of websites. To explain it in a silly way, it's just it's you can search for servers and you can search for software that is running on servers instead of just like web content. Uh, and so yeah, I'm looking for Jenkins there, and Jenkins is like software that is used to like test and build things while developing other software. I don't know how well I'm explaining this. I'm not good at dumbing down technical stuff, uh, but <laughs> basically, a lot of companies are not very good at setting up Jenkins properly, and it's often just like they're often just leaving their their source code entirely publicly out to the open or. Uh, credentials or like passwords and and everything so it's it's like a good way to kill boredom is like because a lot of times you won't like I won't find anything like big but it will be like oh yeah this is an interesting e-commerce software Uh, let's just look at this for five minutes and then like move on yeah Uh, (laughs) but yeah uh, so that day I was just like going through like small things adding small companies on Twitter being like lol please secure your shit 
Uh, and then eventually I was just like, hey, that's some familiar words. It was like just words like A-cars and crew. And I was like, hey, that reminds me of like the mentor pilot videos I watch while eating dinner. <laughs> where, where he talks about various flight systems. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like, this is definitely aviation. This, this is like probably something serious. But I still wasn't sure like how much access I would get. I was like, yeah, maybe I can just see like some log files. Or, or maybe a bit of their source code. But like two minutes later, I see that they have like hard-coded passwords everywhere. And I'm like suddenly looking at live ACARS messages on like some server uh, where they are transmitted, like not directly the communications between airplane and ground control, but where the messages are then sent for further processing and aviation software. Okay. And so I just kept digging into the server and finding access to more and more of their aviation systems, like like crew, crew info updating. Like I could have potentially changed crews for flights. Very good stuff I should definitely just have access to. Uh, <laughs> and, and like employee data and everything. Eventually I had like access to most of their servers on like Amazon Web Services, which is like the cloud Amazon runs because they're a little more than the bookstore nowadays. Uh, <laughs> then eventually it's like, as I always do when I do something like this, I start working together with like journalists because I want to make sure this stuff actually gets out into the open and isn't just like swept under the rug when I report the issues. So I started working with Mikhail Talon from Daily Dot and we looked at this together and then suddenly uh, we were like, yo, wait, we actually have the no-fly list because I was at this point for like two hours trying to figure out how exactly they processed the list because I had access to like all the systems that it goes through, but it was just nowhere to be found. But suddenly we found that for testing their software, they just left a copy of it inside their software repository. Okay. There, there was just a copy of it there and it was put there in 2022. So we were like, oh yeah, this is a very recent copy from 2022 and we were going to run with that. But then like an hour before the story got published, we got like a statement from Commute there being like, yeah, lol, this is the real list, but it's like outdated. So it's not really that big of a deal. And it's just like, <laughs> no. thank you for giving us the exact information we were just guessing about so far. But yeah, that's like the basic rundown. So I'm told that the, the file that you discovered was literally titled nofly.csv. Exactly, yeah. It's just a CSV file with 1.56 lines. Uh, it apparently breaks Excel. I have never opened it in Excel. I just opened it in a text editor because like, yeah. But apparently Excel doesn't even display all the lines. It's like too big of a <laughs> CSV file. <laughs> Yeah. So were, were all the files with like, with like the employee data, or is that all just uh, just CSV files too? Yeah, there was also an employee CSV file Jeez. there uh, because like the service the service this was for is where they compare like all their employees, including like non-crew, but like just people who like work at their hangar, people who like do cleaning at their offices or whatever. They just compare all their staff to the no-fly list to see if like anyone, like even like low-level uh, office people, because like if they are in the no-fly list, I mean, you can't work in an office. So there is a good blog post, uh, like a bit about this on Papers, Please, who did a really good analysis of, of like the list, who, who, who says, yeah, that this is just mission creep. Like this started as just a list for like banning people who were in immediate danger from mm -hmm. flying. And it just grew and grew into, we need to do predictive like, things like the list isn't highly predictive like there are four-year-old kids on there <laughs> like that's not someone who has done any terrorism yet i assume yeah uh 
But, but yeah, it's just the mission creep of going from, yeah, this is like actual terrorists we can't let on our planes, which to some degree makes sense, like as like basic idea to just, this is a list of people we don't like and they are not allowed to do anything anymore. Yeah, yeah you just can't get a job in anything, even vaguely aviation related anymore if, I, if you're like on any of the lists. And so you're 23 right now, which means you were an infant when 9-11 happened and the no-fly list was first introduced. So, like, what led you to become what some call a hacktivist at this relatively young age? I don't know. I feel feel like it's hard to, like, in this day and age, not be in some way politicized. And I I mean, this wasn't, like, me specifically going for the no-fly list. Even though, like, I, I heard about, like, the last times it got leaked in, like, 2021, and someone found, like, what is actually probably the entire terrorism screening database, and they just, like, didn't publish it, and I was like, no, this is, like, data researchers need to see, so at the time I was, like, briefly trying to specifically look for this to hand it to researchers, so this is for once actually thing, I was like, yeah, I want to find this someday, and I actually did, it just took some patience. (laughs) But so how, like, what what got you into hacking? I mean, is this just something that you've done for, for a, a while now, or? Yeah, I have been at, like, doing things that can be classified as hacking for a while now. Like, I I come from an IT background. I've always been interested in, hack, uh, in, in like, computer science. I am autistic. <laughs> uh, and I, it's just always been, like, a big focus of mine uh, to, like, that. And I'm just very curious, and I like to look into how things work. And I'm also political and get angry about stuff. So I feel like it was just kind of like, yeah, the, the, the things all culminated into me becoming a hacktivist. You know, this isn't the first time that your work runs afoul of U.S. law. Obviously, you're not at liberty to speak about the 2021 indictment by a grand jury in the Western District of Washington. But just broadly, you know, I mean, what what was the focus of your hacking and, and, and how come, you know, even though uh, in 2021 this indictment happened, how come you decided to continue and um, and I guess just accept that maybe you, you're not going to come to the States? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to come to the States anyway. So like, <laughs> what would I do there? Uh, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of my work, just in general, uh, in, in activism, like, uh, is, is about is like freedom of information. And a lot of like the big things I do that are highly publicized are often about like surveillance, be it surveillance capitalism with what happened in 2021, or be it now about state surveillance and, and watch listing. Yeah, those are kind of my focus points. At the end of the day, I'm an anarchist and I would like to end like the entire system, but I know that's not like a realistic goal for for like one afternoon. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I will just keep staying silly and combating my boredom. Yeah. I feel like what's also important to note is just that like hacktivism and hacking doesn't automatically like equal illegal. Sure. I feel like it's more a question of morals than legality anyways at the end of the day. Edward Hasbrook, you, you mentioned him. He's the guy... Uh who works with Papers, Please, right? So he's an author and human rights advocate, and he kind of listed three things that he thought this list that you shared with journalists and researchers confirm, which is that the TSA has issues with Islamophobia, overconfidence in the certainty of its pre-crime predictions, and like you mentioned earlier, mission creep. So, I mean, what do you think of this statement? Do you think this kind of uh, encompasses it? And could you maybe speak about those three aspects? Yeah, I, I feel like that that that's important like the, the the thing like the the very specific focus on it almost entirely like 
containing people from very specific ethnicities. It's like, that's the first thing that jumped out to me when I opened this file. It didn't surprise me, but it was still shocking to see just how right, like, everyone's assumption was about how much of, like, just a list of Muslim names it is. Right. I think Bellingcat has, like, made a statistical analysis of, like, the names, and I think it's literally, like, 75% of the names on the list are, like, of Muslim origin, <laughs> which is just... That's wild. That's like over a million people from the Middle East and it's just, yeah, I don't know. And like, I addressed mission creep earlier. And what was the other point? I already... <laughs> Pre-crime. Yeah, it's entirely a list of people that the US assumes will commit a crime at one point and they're so confident about this that they put more people on the no-fly list than on the like list of people who get extended screening and I think that is that is pretty wild. That they're so confident in their pre-crime assessment that, that they're willing to put people on no-fly instead of just an enhanced screening because I don't see like why you should just... I, I generally don't see why, why like you need to completely ban people from flying without like questioning them like if they haven't done anything. On your website, you stated, quote, while the nature of this information is sensitive, I believe it's in the public interest for this list to be made available to journalists and human rights organizations. If you're a journalist, researcher, or other party with legitimate interest, the data is available for access upon request via DDoS secrets. So how, how did you decide on this approach and how many people, uh, I guess, have like inquired and been granted access so far? Okay, so I don't know how many people have been granted access via, D uh, via DDoS, uh, because like that's a separate organization. I'm not involved with them. I just trust them to make the right decisions in that regard. Uh, I personally, I had to start uh, handed it out myself. I'm pretty sure it's been like 50 or so organizations and journalists now I've given it out to. I have gotten hundreds upon hundreds of requests. Uh, most of them just random people being like, I know I am not like, I uh, do not have a legitimate interest, but can I please have it anyway? I'm a little silly. And I totally get that because I'm curious as well. And I would probably also send an email if someone else put up a blog post like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's very hard to know the number. I, I did not have the energy to count while I spent the week answering emails. <laughs> yeah. And, and so how, why did you decide on this approach, uh, you know, rather than any other? I feel like just making it entirely public would put people at risk that I don't want to take and also would put me at even more risk of like, yeah, <laughs> uh, at, at risks I don't need to take. Uh, I don't want to like just dox people the US considers bad. I don't know, like it, it's watch listing. I don't want the watch list to be public because it is at the end of the day a list of people the US government considers bad and that can have like severe negative consequences for people on that list, be that with their local governments finding out they're on that list and using that as some sort of meaning of that person is a terrorist. The US decided that and they have better intelligence than we do. So like, we're just going to trust that. I've actually gotten a request from someone who claims to be from Brazilian intelligence and being like, hey, we uh, don't have the intelligence the US has. Can you please give us the list? We would like to <laughs> go round up some people. And it's just like, yeah, it's just things like, that that yeah i don't know i i feel like it would have been irresponsible to just publish it i expect it's only a matter of time until it's gonna be end up on like some pastebin site or something because yeah that's how things go on the internet but i i didn't want to be the person to put it out there i couldn't get that beyond me but i still like like i spent like a week thinking about this of whether i should go with the very safe route and just not publish the list and just do that article and blog post and 
that's it. But I feel like there, the, 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 it's very important that this is something that's talked about. And I feel like the discussion that's already sparked is, is very important. That probably wouldn't have been sparked if it were impossible for researchers to access it. And I'm very curious also what's going to come from it, from like academic researchers that give this to where we're going to have to wait months or years to see the results of it. But I'm very interested to see that. Because what's already also like kind of been shown with things that I've heard from various researchers and journalists is that the list kind of also shows uh, intelligence partnerships the U.S. has. Because you can see, for example, with Irish organized crime, there are a lot of Irish names on the list. And a lot of them are people the U.S. themselves clearly has like no interest in or like no reason to be interested in. Like why would the U.S. be interested in boxing cartels in Ireland? But like they're all on the list. So you can start to make assumptions about who the U.S. has like intelligence sharing agreements with and who the U.S. trusts enough to just put all the names directly on this list. Uh, and I find that very interesting. What this is going to start showing just in general, like globally, like intelligence networks that exist. As far as entries on the list and your discussions, I guess, so far with interested parties that got access, is there anything you found that's of particular interest? I feel like just... Yeah, the, the massive age range and the fact that apparently even being dead doesn't get you removed from the list. Like Osama bin Laden is still on the list. Like he cannot fly and I think we're all glad that he can't. But like just in case he gets resurrected, I guess. The fact that there is such young people on there just starts to make me wonder whether just being related to someone or living in the same village as someone is like actually just enough to end up on a list. I specifically find it so wild how young some of the people on the list are. Like, they are, like, eight now and were four at the time of the snapshot. Who knows how old they were when they were added to the list. So among the li the long list of Arabic, Muslim, Latino, and Russian names, I believe those are, like, the kind of majority names in order. Yeah. Um, there were some names of the white supremacist participants in the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally. And so is that just, you know, the kind of screening list? Does it bar them from flying? I mean, what do you make of that? I think most of them are just on the screening list. They just get hassled at airports, and I guess they now finally know why. I feel like the fact that a lot of white supremacists already in 2019 were on these lists explains all the buses they always use. <laughs> because, like, they always take buses to rallies across, like, half the country, and... I feel like that might have something to do with the fact that half of them can't fly anymore. But I do find it interesting how apparently like white supremacists actually get added to these lists. Like that is somewhat surprising to me, like given like general US track record on things like that. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I don't know. It, it would have been very interesting to see like a past the post January uh, 6th uh, list, obviously, because yeah, the, the number of American citizens on there is probably significantly higher now. How has the public broadly reacted to this? Obviously, you said there was a lot of requests, but you, you also have open DMs. I'm assuming those are flooded and uh, media requests. Yeah, how has it been? I got way more attention from this than I ever expected to. And I feel like a big part of that is because I kind of became like a trans femme Tumblr meme uh, really quickly yeah. because people saw my blog posts and were like, this looks kind of silly. 
I feel like that that is where a lot of my current fame actually comes from and not not like the actual leak itself. But that obviously on the other hand then resulted in more people finding out about this and uh, like some younger people even first hearing about the concept of a no-fly list existing. Right. The public reception has been pretty good so far like from what I have seen uh, if we ignore the whole like queer discourse I accidentally started on Twitter but we're not going to talk about that. So you, you have had some kind of reactions already from organizations. I know the senior litigation attorney for the Council on American-Islamic Relations, he said this, these leaks confirm that in response to 9-11, the FBI decided to build a Muslim registry. There's definitely a very, very clear bias there. Like, like it's trying to deny that there is a bias against Muslim people in this list. I, I'm very, very excited to see how the, like, how the U.S. Mm-hmm. tries to do that in court. But if, if they do actually get taken to court, there are, like, various organizations who have talked about potentially making, uh, opening a lawsuit which I would be very excited for it. I find it interesting how this is happening at the same time from from like Muslim Muslim groups and uh, activist groups uh, from more on the like left left side of the spectrum, I guess. Uh, and at the same time, we have a Republican congressman talking about potentially drafting up legislation over this, which I find really interesting because like uh, you would assume the Republicans loved a lot no fly list, but I guess after January sixth, their opinion changed. A bit. Right, and and because currently Joe Biden is president, I but but it's interesting to see because they're at the very least starting a congressional inquiry. I didn't expect myself to ever like kick something like that off. Do you think this is just the fact that you know, in some ways, we've become numb as the surveillance state expands, and it's like the realization that there's so many names and that this is how it operates, that it's this simple? Do you think that's kind of reawakened that conversation? I hope so, but I feel like it has definitely kicked off a conversation about no-fly and probably watchlisting in general, and I hope this conversation stays relevant, and I kind of hope Congress actually talks about it, even though I'm kind of scared about what that will mean for, like, (laughs) <laughs> my public image uh, and slash how I'm getting treated on the internet. I'm very curious to see what comes out of this. Like, obviously, I would hope like for an end of like no fly and watch listing, but I don't know how realistic that is. Probably not very. I, I feel like the probably the most immediate consequences is better security. <laughs> protocols for securing the uh, no-fly list. That's, that's probably going to be <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I assume so. I, apparently, like, that generally already changed in 20, like, a, a few years ago, how that is supposed to be handled. But some airlines still, for specific things like this case, still don't use the, like, new TSA APIs they're supposed to use. So I would assume that TSA will probably put an end to actually just handing out the list at this point. Yeah, it seems imprudent to put it in a CSV file. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems less than ideal. <laughs> and so, I mean, what you know, you kind of discussed a bit the the potential uh, ramifications. But what is the the best case scenario, in your opinion, for what happens next in relation to the leak? About what happens next, I don't know, but I feel like I feel like it would be interesting to see this bring an end to no fly, or at least limit some of like the broad tools TSA and the FBI currently have just like limit people from flying i assume the best case scenario is that the republicans draft some bill to ban uh, banning the ts uh, terrorism screening center from adding american citizens to the list or some silly thing like that because that's like the best i can imagine but i really hope we get past this because this is stupid and especially given like apparently they're like currently working on like an un level no fly list thing which would obviously like make things even 
worse like for things such as like freedom of movement and i feel like i hope it it kicks off a general discussion about like state surveillance and watch listing especially and so what about you i mean what's next for you what what's the next thing you're gonna be uh bored and get up to I don't have anything specific. There was something I was going to work on, but I feel like uh, a bunch of companies were like, wait, do we have a Jenkins server somewhere? And so the next thing that was going to be my next story has in the meantime been secured. So that's not going to happen. Uh, so the Department of Energy can get some good sleep. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> where can people find your work? I'm underscore nine crime you on twitter and my website is maya.crimeu.gay and that's where people can find me and i'm also nine crime you pretty much everywhere else so i mean before you go i have to ask what is a bingle why am i reading this everywhere this is bingle uh but it's basically just a nonsense word that started as an in-choke in this small discord server i'm in and I guess uh, the internet collectively decided that this was the silliest thing someone could say after uh, leaking the no-fly list. <laughs> so that's just a meme now. But yeah, it started as a nonsense word. It's still a nonsense word. It is now also the name of my Sprigatito plushie because the internet decided so. For, I mean, people can't see it, but yeah, that is a, a sort of stuffed cat. Am I getting it wrong? or? Yeah, it's a, a, it's a stuffed Pokemon cat. <laughs> uh, also better known as Weed Cat. It's the, the Pokemon Sprigatito but everyone probably knows it as, as Wheat Cat or by now as Bingle. So, yeah. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Maya. Yeah, you're welcome. I had fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month to get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. When you sub, you help us stay advertising-free and editorially independent. For everything else, we have a website, QAnonAnonymous.com. Listener, until next week, may the bingle bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. There are reports tonight that a number of American citizens, including Americans who were at the Trump rally in January, the perfectly legal Trump rally in Washington in January, have been placed by this administration on the no-fly list, meaning they cannot fly domestically. We have not been able to confirm that. But if it's true, this is a turning point in American history. These are people, again, who have not been charged with crimes. If they have been prevented from traveling within their own country by the administration because the administration doesn't like their political views, that is not democracy. It's dictatorship. We ought to find out who's on the no-fly list, which American citizens are on the no-fly list, and why. And we should find out immediately. And by the way, if they turn out to be members of Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter leaders turn out to be on that list. We'll be completely against that, too.